that video really does wreck me, and I know that it, it wrecks the heart of God too, but our God is so good because he is sending people out to do this work. He, he doesn't stand by while the world experiences all of these things. He, he is working actively to bring people to a saving knowledge of his son Jesus. Well, it is a new year, right? And this is the time of year when people sort of try and step back from their life for a moment and kind of evaluate how things are going. They, they set new goals, or maybe they set new trajectories for their life, or maybe they just renew the ones that they've had that they have just sort of let uh, go. They, they check their bearings. They take a look at the direction they're headed, and they make some course corrections to get back on track to where they want to go. And usually in January, I like to do something kind of like that for our church together as a body. I like to make sure that we're still heading in the right direction, that we're going the way that we feel like God has called our church to go, that we're not becoming distracted by agendas that come uh, kind of into our view along the way. And churches are about all kinds of things. They have at their heart all kinds of different things. But churches also have to be choosy at some point too, right? We can't do everything. There are lots of good things that our church could do, but we can't do everything, unfortunately. So we have to focus on some things. So I think January is a good time for us to just check our bearings, to look at these things, to make sure that we are on that right course, because I think that there can be tragic consequences to getting off course. Maybe you know the name Amelia Earhart. Maybe that name is familiar to you. Uh, Amelia Earhart is best known as the woman who first attempted to fly the entire circumference of the world in an airplane. And after successfully traversing the Atlantic Ocean in a 15-hour solo flight, Earhart set her sights on circumnavigating the globe in a plane with just her and her navigator in the cockpit. After some long preparations, she finally left from Miami, Florida on June 1st of 1937 with much of the Western world just enamored with her story and her goal. And 28 days and numerous stops later on June 29th, she landed in Ley, New Guinea, having covered 22,000 miles. She was now on the final leg of her trip with only another 7,000 miles to go before she would land in Miami, but it was some of the most daunting, the most treacherous part of the trip. Across the Pacific Ocean, a desolate wasteland. And her next stop was to refuel and rest for a little while on a small island, 2,500 miles from where she would leave in New Guinea, this tiny pinprick in the vast Pacific. Now, unfortunately, nobody really knows for sure what happened to Amelia Earhart, but she never reached her intended destination. Her fate remains a mystery to this day, but at some point after leaving Ley, New Guinea, she and her navigator got off course and failed to reach the goal. And with no landmarks to visually navigate where she would be, right, just the vast ocean, Issues with her radio equipment that made it hard for her to figure out where she was. Earhart and her navigator, they ended up just hopelessly lost. And of course, at this point in history, it's pretty much a given that they perished on that flight. And that was the tragic consequence of them getting off course, losing sight 
of their intended destination. And I would say, unfortunately, many churches experience this same kind of destination drift. They end up going off course. It usually happens slowly, less suddenly than it did for Amelia Earhart in her story. But there's a trend of churches in America closing their doors. And I've heard that for one new church that is planted or started in America, there are four churches that close their doors while the population continues to actually grow. And I think this happens because their vision for their existence slowly leaks out. And usually over the course of years, the churches, they end up off course. And I think this is even happening in entire denominations in America today. I know some of you have left denominations for this very reason. And the outcome of this loss of vision, the outcome is that the churches die in time. They become irrelevant. They cease to be about the work that God is doing in the world. They cease to be instruments for his kingdom. And they become just churches on their own mission, doing what they think is best. And unfortunately, nobody seems to even care that they disappear. And I think it's tragically sad, but it also shouldn't surprise us, okay? Because we see this play out in Scripture. I was reading my Bible this week. I just happened to be reading in Jeremiah because I'm going through the major prophets. And I came across this passage this week. It says this, You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. And you gave them this land which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they entered and took possession of it. But they did not obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing of all you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have made all this disaster come upon them. This is what God says to his people, Israel. Now, we're not the nation of Israel, so we have to be a little careful not to project ourselves into the Bible where we don't belong. But there's a principle here that I think is enduring. God places his people in specific places at specific times to accomplish specific things. He has a purpose for Maricopa Springs, our church, for this church, for you, for the people who call this church your home. He's got a specific purpose for bringing you here even this morning. And he has expectations for us as a church that we obey his word, that we worship him alone that we give him honor and glory and praise, that we serve one another like Christ, that we love compassionately and we stand for the truth courageously. He expects us to be obedient to him, to be a light to the people around us in a dark world that needs hope by offering them the name of Jesus. And if we're faithful to that purpose, if we are committed to these goals, then I think when we stay on this course, God will bless our church. We will see lives changed. We'll see the kingdom of God come in power, even here in Maricopa, this cow town in the middle of nowhere. But if we fail, if we get off course, if we lose our way and we become distracted by worldliness or by fame, if we become distracted by maybe tradition or comfort like Doug mentioned, if we lose sight of our calling, to serve others and sacrifice, then I think what happens is God removes his blessing because, again, we're no longer on his mission at that point. We're on our mission. 
And I don't think, I, I just want you to know, this is not going to happen at Maricopa Springs in this generation, not with the elders that we have holding our church accountable. But this morning, I want us to take our bearings and make sure that we're headed in the right direction. This morning, so we're going to look at our mission for a few moments. We're maybe going to make some course corrections. That's what I want to maybe encourage you to do. And then over the next couple of months, we're in this series looking at our core values. We're going to zero in on those values. And we're going to make sure that we are still staying faithful to those values as a church. That the direction that we're heading is in line with the direction we believe God has planted our church to be on. So let me pray for us, and then we'll really get into this. God, what a good and gracious God you are. We worship you this morning. And we thank you that your heart breaks so much more for this world than our heart breaks. That you are at work carrying out your... In the far corners of the world and even here in Maricopa, we worship you for those things. And God, you have placed our church on this mission. You've given us a great burden. You've given us responsibility, and you've empowered us to do this. And so, God, with so much responsibility, would you help us to be good stewards? We pray that as we look forward into the year 2016, that this would be a year that you use our church in which and dream we could be used for your kingdom purposes. And so bless us here this morning as we look at your Something's going on with my mic here. Well, as I was thinking about this message, the idea of staying on course, the passage that kept coming to mind for me was 2 Timothy chapter. You go ahead and turn there with me. Can one of you just bring me that handheld mic? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 through 4. Your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, then we. All right. If you have a Bible, we would love to give you one. So make sure that you stop by our bookstore at the back after the service, okay? Of Second Timothy chapter 1. And I'm actually going to read from verses 3 all the way through 14. So I'd love for you to just follow along with me. The Apostle Paul writes, I thank God whom I serve as, I di- as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 
follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Okay, I mentioned this is the Apostle Paul who writes this under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing to Timothy, who is his apprentice, his student, his disciple. And Paul wants to be sure that Timothy stays on course. That Timothy guards the deposit of the gospel, the truth, and cares with it with the utmost care and concern. Paul wants to make sure that Timothy doesn't get distracted by all of the shiny and glittery things that this world has to offer and so then lose sight of the most important thing, which is the hope that Timothy has in Christ. So he writes, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This idea is so important to Paul that this actually isn't the first time that he writes this to Timothy. He says this to him in another place. Probably just on the prior page of your Bible, if you look over, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. Paul tells Timothy, even prior to this one in 2 Timothy, he says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. You see how important this is to him. Now, as, I, as, as we start the new year, I think that these are sound words for us to live by as we evaluate our direction. I think that we would do well to heed Paul's warning to Timothy as a warning that applies to us. So I could read it like this. Maricopa Springs Family Church, follow the pattern of sound words that you hear in Scripture. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. And we have an important and enduring mission that we're on as a church. Doug mentioned it earlier. It's on your bulletin. It's not a new mission for the church. It's the very same mission that Paul was on all those years ago. It's the same mission that he encouraged Timothy to persevere in. It's the mission that's defined those who have called themselves followers of Jesus through history since Christ passed it on to the disciples himself. And at Maricopa Springs, we say it like this, helping people meet and follow Jesus. So we are guarding the deposit that God has entrusted to us to reach people who are far from God and grow God's people into fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's why our church is here. That's why we exist. Now, I think there's some layers to this. I think that guarding the deposit that's been given to us has some depth of meaning to it. And, of course, at the foundational level, the good deposit that Paul is talking about, it's the gospel itself. Paul was given the good news that Jesus, the Son of God, saves the world from sin. He received that in a revelation of Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul then took this message and he passed it on to Timothy so that Timothy could keep it and pass it on to others in the church, anyone who had a willingness to hear and receive it. And so important is this message that Paul passed on to Timothy that God had it recorded through the inspiration of his Holy Spirit so that even we 2,000 years later can receive it as we read it in Scripture and respond to it and then guard it as God's sacred revealed word. 
We can listen in on Paul and Timothy's conversation then as Paul lays it out for Timothy. Look at verses 8 through 10 in 2 Timothy 1. Back to 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And here it is, Jesus, he is our Savior, he saves us from death, he gives us eternal life. And the message that we're to guard is this message that salvation doesn't come by our works. It's a gift that God gives by grace to those who place their trust in Jesus. It's not based on what we do. No, it comes through Christ who has appeared the very revelation of God himself to reveal God's purposes to save this world from the consequences of sin. And I want you to understand Christianity is not a religion where you insert your good behavior into God's like cosmic calculator, and then he spits out your reward based on your good works. That's not what we believe. Christianity is not karma, which says that you do good things, and so the universe smiles on you and gives you good in return. That's not what we believe. No, no, Christianity is good news that says God, God is the one who has worked through Jesus, his son, to save everyone who trusts in him. Jesus is the one who moves us from the realm of death into the realm of life. And every single person who has not heard and received this gift from Jesus remains in death. It's through Christ and only Christ. And Paul wants Timothy to guard that deposit. Because it's a precious, precious truth. And it gets distorted in all kinds of ways. Right here in Maricopa, unfortunately, I'm aware of at least two churches that are failing, I think, to guard this deposit. Okay? They've abandoned the work that Jesus did on the cross. And instead, they're actually preaching a message of sort of vague spirituality and psychological fulfillment. That's what they think Christianity is. Where salvation really has nothing to do with being saved from God's wrath towards sin. No, instead, it just has to do with feeling better about yourself. And my point is not that we're better people here at Maricopa Springs than people at those churches, okay? Because we're not. I'm not competing with them in any way, shape, or form. My point is that we have to be careful that we don't fall to the same temptation, to make our message more acceptable in the eyes of the world and end up drifting from the vision that our church has to save people from death and sin. We have to make sure that we are staying on course, that we are people who are preaching the grace of Jesus Christ as the only way to be made right with God so that people who are lost can be saved from death. And we have to guard this deposit that says that God has worked at a definite point in history through the life, death, and resurrection of his son so that all who believe in him 
have eternal life. This is the idea behind helping people meet Jesus. It's part of our mission. And as a church, as together as a body, but also as individuals who go to this church, we want people to know that there is hope in Christ. So do we exist as a uh, a fancy social club for Christians? No. Maricopa Springs, we have a definite task ahead of us to make sure that the good news about Jesus is accurately proclaimed out, out there in these neighborhoods to people who don't yet know. And if we turn to Romans 10, we get a sense with which the Apostle Paul felt this urgency. I just had this thing for making you flip around your Bible lately, so join me. Turn to Romans. It's after Acts And I think actually a line from this was in that video. Romans chapter 10 in verses 13 through 15. Paul tells us how important this mission is. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, the good news is that anyone who puts their trust in Jesus has salvation. But there's a problem here. How are people going to know this all-important truth? Look at verse 14 then. Paul anticipates the issue. He says, How then will these people call on him in whom they've never believed? And how are they going to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? And we can stop right there. Because your job description as someone who attends Maricopa Springs Family Church is this, you are a preacher. I know you thought that was my job, but it's not. It's your job, actually. You, you are the proclaimer of the good news. And our church exists so that you can proclaim to other people the good news of Jesus. That means that at home, around the table, you can tell your friends that Jesus died to save them from their sins, and you can offer them that hope. I don't have to do it. That means that at work around the break room, you can tell your coworkers that Christ has made things right in this screwed up world and you can offer them his grace. It means that in your driveway, you can tell your neighbor that Jesus is the goodness and mercy of God. You can tell them God's message of forgiveness. You can do that. And Paul sees the problem. The problem is that people without faith in Jesus are doomed. People right here in Maricopa who die apart from faith in Christ, they go to hell for eternity. That's what we believe as Christians. And God has a solution for this problem, and it is you. You are the solution. He has made a way through Christ so that you can preach a solution. It's this church We've been sent here by God as a church and as individuals to tell people about this good deposit that we have, that Jesus has abolished death. He's brought life and immortality to light through Christ. Jesus saves all those who call upon him. So why are we here as a church? What is our course? What what direction are we heading? We are here so that you, you can help people meet Jesus. And I know it's a process to get there, but if we're not focused on that as our journey, then honestly, we might as well just go home. Because I think this is one of the primary purposes of the church. 
And people who die apart from Jesus, they're separated from God for all eternity. And the world needs more preachers, meaning the world needs you to proclaim the good news. Okay, but there's another layer here, I think, to what it means to guard the good deposit. I don't think it just means keeping and preaching the good news. That's a part of it. But the other part involves your process of growth in that. Helping people meet and follow Jesus is where we start. But as a church, we want people to follow Jesus with their whole hearts, all their lives. And Paul had this very same desire for Timothy. I'm going to make you flip back to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And Paul says this in verse 6. He says, For this very reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Okay, this is the gift of faith. The gift of the Holy Spirit at work in and through you to make you more and more a God lover in his image every day. And everyone who receives Christ as Lord has this gift. And with the gift comes an obligation to nurture it and develop it and fan it into flames and grow it. And so there's another layer to guarding the good deposit. God has invested his Holy Spirit in you. He has made this incredible deposit into your life. And with that incredible deposit then comes an incredible responsibility. You have to develop and grow and nurture this. You have a unique contribution to make to the kingdom work that God is doing in the world. And you have to have an active role in God's kingdom purposes. And this is why the mission of Maricopa Springs is helping people meet and, at this point you should know it, follow Jesus. Okay, now listen, some people, they just want to attend church. You know these people, they're, they're like the barnacles in the back row all the time, right? I'm not, no slam on any of you back there. Everybody's suspicious now. They, these, these are people, they, they just want to attend a church. They don't want any responsibility. They want to hide in the back. They want to come. They want to consume. They don't want to fan anything into flames because that's just too much work. They want other people to sort of carry them along so that they can grow kind of by osmosis rather than effort. And that's just not how this thing works at all. If you don't fan into flame your gift that God has given you, then the work does not get done. Without people like you growing personally and personally doing ministry and taking responsibility for the mission and values of God's church, then it just doesn't get done. I I, I sort of laughed at this before. If it were up to me, like if God had consulted me on this, I would have told him this is a terrible game plan because people tend to be unreliable. They fail. People often don't follow through on things that they say that they'll commit to, right? We We just tend to not fan into flames the gift that we've been given. But God somehow in his perfect omniscience decided this is how it's going to be done. And so there's a lot riding on you. You have a lot of responsibility. And by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to grow. By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to minister. 
by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you, you have to figure out what God has gifted you to do, and then you have to do it. By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you, you have to join the other people in this room as one unified body in carrying out this mission that God has given us to help people meet and follow Jesus. And there's a lot that's depending on you. I know it's scary, isn't it? So before I give you just a few thoughts on how to make this happen, because I have some tips, I just want to tell you as a church how proud I am of you. Forgive me. Seriously, I, I am proud of you as a church. Um, if Maybe this is your first Sunday and you're like, what is going on? Stick around for a little while and you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm just proud of this church. In our last life group session, we had two-thirds of the people who normally attend on a Sunday morning join one of our life groups. Like most churches, if they get 20%, they're like knocking it out of the park, okay? So you're, what that tells me is you're hungry to grow. You want to grow. You hear this call to fan the gift into flames and you respond. We've, we've also had a solid group of people join our adult Sunday school on Sunday mornings, which is a great place for you to grow, to get a real deep theological founding to what it is that you believe. You accomplished this incredible serving project, the Holiday Gift Store, which, you know, whatever you did, any contribution you made was an incredible piece to this whole. You gave up your time and your money in an act of compassion and kindness so that people in the neighborhood right around this building know that this church actually cares, that it's not just a club for Christians, but it's a place where people can be served, that they see the same kind of love that Christ showed. We've had more of you step up and and respond to our calls for you to serve in some capacity. From teaching kids about Jesus in the cove, which to me is so important because my kids are back there. To cleaning up after our Christmas Eve services. From joining our prayer team to shepherding students in Crux, our student ministry. From helping to lead on our worship team to setting up chairs so that people can hear the word proclaimed. I just want you to know how proud I am of you, that I see you doing the ministry in various ways that God has wired you to do. I'm proud of you. And I see Jesus in you through your actions. And it brings me the same kind of joy that Paul felt as he looked at the life of Timothy. Great joy. Because of what God is doing in you and through you, this is, this is a church where people are growing. This is a church where people are fanning into flames the gift of God. And I look at what's going on around here, and I believe from what I see that this is a church that is actually on course with its mission to help people meet and follow Jesus. And God is working in spite of our dysfunction. We, we have some of that. And he's using you for his kingdom purposes. And so way to go and thank you for the sacrifices that you have made. Okay, now maybe you're sitting here and you're wondering, how do I get more involved in this mission? Like, I would love to, but I don't even know where to begin. You understand the importance, but what do I do now? Okay, well, I want to close. I'm just going to give you four words that I hope will help you. 
Okay, I'll, I'll put a little bit of commentary to the words, but you've got a notes page in your bulletin. I would love for you to write these down. And actually, if you get our weekly email, I emailed these to you about 30 minutes ago. So they're already in your inbox. <laughs> if you don't get our email, sign up and I'll forward it to you. But I want you to write them down in your bulletin anyway. Okay, four words. First, discover. Discover. Discover how God has wired you. Discover how God has specifically wired you to help guard the deposit that God is making through this church. And some of you, you should be leading a life group sometime in 2016 probably. But you're not doing it because you don't know that you even have the spiritual gift of leadership or wisdom or shepherding. Some of you should be discipling new Christians, but you're not because you don't know that you have shepherding as a gift, that you could be making disciples who go on to make disciples. Some of you should be sitting down and ministering to people going through intense crisis, but you're not doing it because you don't know that you have the spiritual gift of mercy, so you're not using it. And I mentioned before, we have this spiritual gifts assessment to help you begin this process of self-discovery. Just, just begin it. It's attached, actually, to the email that I sent out. Shoot, did I do that? I think it was. If not, I'll send it out. It's available in the back at our bookstore. It's on our website. That was actually in the notes. And it's just a little nifty tool to help get the ball rolling. Okay, again, discover. But I also want to give you a challenge with this word discover. We're going to spend the next couple of months in this series looking at the core values that are the heartbeat of our church. And so I really want to challenge you, come every single week, come every Sunday, so that you can hear about these core values, why they're important to our church, and figure out which of the values your heart resonates with so that you can begin to be involved in that piece of what our church is doing. And as your heart resonates, what it means is that God has given you a special passion to help advance these values in our community. So discover what you're passionate about so God can put you to work. Next, join something to get more involved. Join a life group when we launch them soon. Join our adult Sunday school. You can still do that. Join our women's Bible study, as Shelly mentioned. Uh, Join our OWLS group that meets for fellowship weekly. Take our next membership class, which we're going to offer in February. Stop just showing up here on a Sunday morning and start actually fanning into flames the gifts that God has given you by being part of one of these ministries designed to help you grow. Stop thinking about it and just do it, okay? Next, invest. Invest in this community. When you're really committed to something, you invest in it, don't you? So invest in this church. Invest in relationships with people here. Have some people over for dinner at your house or do what Steve does and meet them at Taco Bell. (laughs) Steve's a big fan of Taco Bell. Make some friends here. Invest in the relationships. Invest in people here and people around you so that you can minister to them and be involved in their lives. I would even go so far as to ask you to invest your finances here. Our church is on track to reach our projected goal of of financial giving for this year that sets our budget for the year. But stake a claim in the ministry that's going on around Maricopa Springs. Give a portion of your finances here 
so that you can support the work that God is doing at Maricopa Springs. Help us give more money away to the missions organizations that we support. Help us pay our incredible staff the wages that they deserve. Help us pay our rent for this awesome facility so that we don't have to meet outside. Help us cover the cost of the ministries that you're a part of, that you benefit from, and that you're actually a partner in. So invest here. And finally, serve, which really just means do ministry here. We can't do this without you. Serve our church by praying for us in 2016. Serve our church by finding where you fit in our mission and core values. Serve our church by actually doing some kind of activity that helps us get where we're going. Use your gifts, your talents, your personality, and your skills to get involved in ministry here. Serve alongside of us as we serve in Maricopa. Okay, not only does our church, as a body of believers, as a family, have a responsibility to guard this deposit that's been entrusted to us, but you personally have that responsibility. God has invested his Holy Spirit in you. And it's time, I would say, for all of us, together as, it, together as a community and as individuals, to set our eyes on this mission that God has given us and labor to get there. And our church is here to help people meet and follow Jesus. That is the direction that we are going. And if you're coming with us, then get to work.